everyone, and welcome to New Horizon, the Mind and Body Connection on Intentional Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Dr. Keisha Ross. Today, we have a very special guest, Ms. Athwa Bromley. Before we begin, let me share a bit about Ms. Bromley's background, and then we will get right into it. Aqua Bromley, LAC, is owner of Acupuncture St. Louis and Wellness Center, a holistic multi-specialty clinic in St. Louis, Missouri, where she practices acupuncture and East Asian medicine. In addition to her private practice, Ms. Bromley worked at CHIPS, Community Health and Partnership Services, a multi-specialty clinic for uninsured and underinsured individuals in North St. Louis from 2000 to 2012 and has previously run the acupuncture detox component of St. Louis City Drug Courts program. Throughout her career, she has worked to promote equal access to quality integrative medical care to those in underserved and disenfranchised communities, particularly African-American and Latin communities, as well as those living with HIV, AIDS. She is founder of Universal Holistic Healthcare Services, UHHS, a nonprofit 501c3 dedicated to providing integrative health care and empowerment life and health education through such activities as HIV Integrative Medicine Clinic, STD and HIV Outreach Prevention Education, Nutrition Workshops, and a women's support group for those living with HIV or AIDS. Most recently, UHHS partnered with Zimmer Biomet to run healthcare empowerment program focused on African-American women 45 and over in 2019. UHHS is also working to build an integrative health clinic and public healthcare uh, worker training center in Ghana, West Africa. Ooh, you are doing it all, Miss Bromley. <laughs> Welcome. And how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a little busier than I probably should be, but balancing everything. <laughs> I hear you. It's it's a good thing to stay busy, right? It yes. keeps us it keeps us the creative juices flowing, and it sounds like you're doing a lot of great things, which we'll hear about today. So on the new on the new horizon, the mind and body connection, we want to focus a great deal on mental and physical health. So we're very happy to hear today about how to manage stress. We've talked about it in the psychotherapeutic sense traditionally, and we also include a lot of holistic other integrative medicine. So you can talk today about how to manage like chronic stress, race-based stress and trauma, as we know that that impacts emotional uh, well-being. So why don't we start with some basics for listeners who may be unfamiliar uh, with acupuncture. Tell us a bit, what is acupuncture? So acupuncture is just one component of traditional Chinese medicine. Um, We use very small, thin needles to help the body basically help treat itself. Um, We treat a variety of health issues. Um, Acupuncture has been used for thousands of years. Um, In fact, it actually has its roots in ancient Egypt and Nubia. What the Chinese did is really evolve the practice of acupuncture um, using tools and over millennia, really honing in through observation of nature, as well as just treating literally thousands of people over the millennia to form an entire system of medicine. Um, We use a bioenergetic model of the body with a systems approach um, to diagnose different ailments. So we use um, something called tongue and pulse diagnosis as a primary form of diagnosis. And this gives us a better sense of what's actually going in the body, going on in the body. So in Chinese medicine, it's a little different. So you have kind of your organ systems, the same as you would in allopathic or biomedicine. But for us, each organ system has an emotional component, has um, different, has a much broader and more expanded function um, than just in kind of biomedicine. But what that does is it helps us to get often to the underlying root of issues. Um, and so we don't separate body, mind, and spirit. Um, which which allows us to really have a lot more, um, a much broader t- uh, toolbox, if you will, for um, some some systems and some ailments that often Western medicine doesn't really understand or treat well. 
that's a, that says it all. <laughs> and I, 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 but I love that you made um, the connection to, you know, the continent uh, of Africa that, you know, origins being there, because particularly we're reaching out. Part of this podcast is particularly for Black, Indigenous people of, of color. And, you know, often in our community, people may say, what's that? I don't want no needles. I don't want anything poking me. So we'll, we'll, you'll talk more a bit about what it's like, but I know I can share from my own experiences. It, it's, it's wonderful in terms of stress management. I do a great deal of, of work being in a mental health profession. It could lead to burnout at times. So you have to do a lot to stay healthy. So it's definitely top on my list of things to do. Also, you mentioned mind, body, you know, soul, spirit, that there's no disconnect. And that's, that is needed because as you said, in Western medicine, sometimes it can only be treating like the surface type of issue, like the symptoms, but not the underlying cause. So that's the other great part of of what you talked about there. So share with us for those who are listening and maybe have never had uh, acupuncture or worked with an acupuncturist, what's the training that is involved in becoming an acupuncturist? The training is much more involved than what most people think. I mean, people, I tell people, I can teach you how to stick a needle in somebody in a really short period (laughs) of time, but that doesn't mean that they have the skills. Um, So our our minimum training is really a three-year master's level. Um, There's most schools in the United States are accredited at this point. So it is master's degree. Um, with a minimum of 2,000 hours of training that covers didactic or your classroom education, as well as clinical rotations. Um, for those who choose an apprenticeship route, which is the more traditional route um, based in China, um, but is still allowed here, then you actually have a 3,000 hour training route for acupuncture or 4,000 for herbs. Um, for example, I had two apprentices who studied under me um, who it, it ended up being about just over 4,000 hours um, over the course of three and a half years. Um, so it's, it is, I want to make sure because I will get into how you choose an acupuncturist and I don't mm-hmm. want people to, to um, think that an apprentice route is less than going to an accredited school because that is the more traditional way. I would say it's neither one is neither better than the other. It really more so depends on who you studied with and and the depth of training. There are a lot of there are a lot of advantages to studying with a person where you are just around them all the time. So getting that deep clinical mm-hmm. practice. Um, some right now, so you have a minimum acupuncture degree, um, master's level degree. And about 10 years ago, um, the Department of Education approved a doctorate program for acupuncture. So now you have many practitioners who are going back for their doctorates. Um, It doesn't mean that you have better practice. (laughs) Again, I want to make that clear too. All your clinical training is in your master's program. The doctorates are really there for the research um, component. Um, Mm -hmm. So for example, I'm, I'm, working through my doctorate now, and it's very heavy research. Um, But it's very important to balance research, what we call evidence-based clinical practice. So having Mm -hmm. that experience as a practitioner, but also being either able to conduct research um, for efficacy, but able to look at research and and apply it um, where it's applicable. Um, So once you finish school, then you actually have to take um, a minimum of three board exams for if you are going to also get um, certified in herbal medicine as well. So it's actually quite a bit of education. Um, when I started school, we had 20 people in my class. Um, and many people falsely felt like it was just going to be easy peasy. Mm-hmm. We lost 12 people in the matter of two wow. months because it was challenging. The paradigm is very different. Um, and I had been mm-hmm. pre-med and undergraduate and it's, it's very challenging, um, but so rewarding. Um, I've been in practice for 23 years now, and I still love going to work. So there's something to be said 
for still loving going to work. Yes, <laughs> that that's always a, a blessing, right? So it doesn't feel yes. like feel like it's work. And thank you for dispelling that myth. I think that is the myth about acupuncture that people really don't study, or it's like you know quack kind of medicine or pseudo medicine. However, from what you discussed, that is very involved. Uh, three year for the master level, doing the um, apprenticeship. That's many hours uh, of study and four boards. That's a lot of boards. So that's some a lot that, of boards. That, yeah, that could that could be more than our um, medicine sometimes in terms of in uh, MD in terms of board. So it's very involved. So that's something for our listeners to keep in mind that when you are looking for someone, and Ms. Bromley will talk about that later, that there's a good bit of training that goes along with that. So now we have an idea of like what the educational level looks like. And as you said, the research piece is important too. So evidence-based care, we've talked about that before in terms of psychotherapy. Uh, and it's similar, as you said, in integrative medicine. So what is like the standard of care? What is the gold standard? So research helps us to keep up uh, with that also. So now tell us a little bit about uh, the benefits of acupuncture on physical health, because we know within our community, we have the triad, right? Diabetes, high cholesterol, a lot of cardiovascular problem, hypertension, stroke, you name it. Yes. Unfortunately, that is very true in our community. Um, I think one of the one of the things that I really love about Chinese medicine is that we treat a wide variety of acute and chronic issues and ailments, pretty much anything short of you needing to go to the emergency room. Um, We are trained as general practitioners, but even more so we have these tools of prevention. And so that's huge. So I talked about acupuncture being one component of Chinese medicine included in that is also herbal medicine, Um, diet and lifestyle, um, as well as body, traditional Chinese body work, or if it's Japanese um, medicine, then it's anma is the, that practice. Um, So we have all these different tools. So we can see things from digestive issues like IBS or Crohn's, um, reflux, migraines, headaches, fertility, labor induction, stress, anxiety, insomnia, insomnia, as well as pain and arthritis. And I think many people are very familiar with the pain component of acupuncture, um, its benefits, but it's really so much more. Um, Again, now, if you have a urinary tract infection and you just need an antibiotic, I'm also going to send you to your primary to get an antibiotic. But with that, we also can treat, I tell people, I can keep the infection from coming back. Once you take the antibiotic, there are things that I can do to help your system help itself so that um, infection doesn't recur, which is often the case with UTIs. People tend to have recurring infections. Um, We do a lot of adjunct work for cancer care. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so I do work with, um, and many of us do work with, uh, oncologist and kind of your more allopathic um, MDs, I try to tell people there is room for everything. There are just many paths and roads to healing. Um, You don't have to choose one or the other um, and, and shouldn't because you should go with whatever is best for whatever issue there is. The The beautiful thing about acupuncture is that we can get to the underlying root of an issue We can also work on resolution of that issue. So our goal is to get you better as fast as we possibly can so you don't continue to need our services. There may be instances, for example, with my HIV patients, I can't cure you of HIV, but I can certainly help um, with treatment. I can help educate you on diet and lifestyle that will help you have a long and healthy life. I can help literally help your body help itself. Um, For example, there are points in the body, one in particular that actually helps to lower viral load and increase T cells. And that's something that, you know, fortunately, uh, modern technology was able to demonstrate that with labs with people. Um, With diabetes, I work a lot on uh, diabetic neuropathy. There are points that we can do to help the system work better. 
Um, in Chinese medicine, the underlying root of diabetes is a little more complex than an allopathic medicine. So for us, we say diabetes can be because of a kidney deficiency. It can be because of a spleen deficiency, um, which translates kind of to pancreatic function along with some liver um, dysfunction. So we diagnose, if you come in with an allopathic diagnosis, it's nice. I tell people that's helpful. That's nice. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to treat you according to that because we have a mm. different treatment system that works on the underlying cause of disease. So in many instances, we are able to resolve those, those underlying issues, like things like hypertension. Um, I've had people who have been able to get off of their hypertension medication, um, though we're always cautious to tell people you may not get off your hypertension medication until your blood pressure is so low that you are basically falling over. And then your primary care physician who prescribed that hypertension medication will lower it for you. Um, it's very important to maintain blood pressure. Um, you do not ever want to have to try to recover from a stroke. Mm -hmm. That is yes. significant. We do do stroke rehab, but much better to never have the stroke in the first place. Um, but it really is looking at and using all of those tools. Everyone who comes in my door typically gets some form of dietary advice because what you put in your body on a daily yes. basis has so much bearing on your health. It's either a poison or it's a, basically it's a benefit. So food as medicine is huge. Similarly, um, looking at one of the things that has come up a lot, I would say in, in the, with the previous presidential administration. Um, so we think of consuming food, but also what are we consuming visually? What are you consuming in your ear? What are you hearing mm -hmm. all the time? So understanding that lots of inputs um, can have harm. Um, we know that um, things like seeing... Uh, speaking of, and I know we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but just talking about the impacts of racism and visually yes. seeing mm -hmm. over and over again, yes. um, images of ourselves being beaten down has yes. a traumatic effect. Mm -hmm. um, the, comp the mental health and spiritual component to acupuncture and how it's able to actually help deal with the trauma of living in a racist society is, is, mm -hmm. is really important. So as you mentioned, you work with individuals who may go fully the holistic route. Then you also work with some individuals that might be doing conventional, traditional medicine and, and having um, a mix. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because some people might be listening and trying to figure out like, okay, well, which route do I go? I think hypertension right. is a perfect example. Yes. Just because it's large in our community. I work with a lot of individuals for patients for anxiety, but it's intertwined, you know, not having the ability to manage the anxiety. So needing tools for that. And while I would like to see many come off of the medicine. I have referred many to acupuncture, but also, as you said, the lifestyle change, there has to be a lifestyle change. So you can't necessarily come in, have the treatment and then, okay, no work outside of that. So can you talk just a little bit about either going fully holistic or, you know, integrating the two? I would say for most people, um, a, a mix of the two is often, if you're dealing with some uh, type of chronic disease, then you're, you're really looking at a mix of the two. Um, it's going to end up depending on kind of what, what are your values? What are your health values? How easy do you want to have it? Because let's face it, my, my medicine requires people to do some work <laughs> um, when mm -hmm. you're talking about a chronic disease. Um, I have yeah. definitely, uh, for example, told people who've come to me for weight loss after having a long intake and I've told them, you know, I can help you lose weight, but I think you're going to be better served by buying a pair of tennis shoes and let's come up with a solution <laughs> yeah. to, for you to have some, some, you know, skin in the game and walk, um, because I, you will gain the weight back. 
But um, definitely with chronic disease, I, I pretty much, if you are, if you have diabetes, if you have hypertension, um, I am going to recommend that you still see an, a conventional physician because I, I feel like there needs to be some mm-hmm. monitoring there. Um, and you will need some medication and I am, do not have uh, prescription services. It was nice when I uh, did my intern, my post um, graduate internship in China, I actually was allowed to, you know, if you need an x-ray, I could do an x-ray. If you need an antibiotic, I could prescribe an antibiotic, but that's not the world we live in here. Um, it's, it is definitely, if you're looking at wanting to resolve your chronic issue, then I feel like the duality of it is very important. If you are on the borderline, say, for example, of diabetes, um, where you're pre-diabetic, there's a lot that we can really offer you before you get to that point of needing the medication. Again, you still need to monitor, get your A1C done, have regular checkups, do the screening. All that's important. Um, As you mentioned, things with anxiety and and depression, for example, um, I have patients who have... um, a variety of mental health diagnoses. And, and I tell people right off the bat, you know, if you have bipolar disorder, um, you are going to be on some medication. Um, there is, thank you. (laughs) You are going to be, and black people do have mental health issues. That is, it's a real, but but a lot of people don't want to take medication. I don't want to take any medication. It is, it is, thank goodness we have medication. Pharmaceuticals are not all bad. Um, You know, you can manage side effects of medications and potentially there may be ways to limit the amount of medication, but it really does take the coordination and some work. But I, particularly with mental health, it is, there is not a conspiracy to over-medicate all Black people. Um, Black people do have mental health issues. I have had to, unfortunately, Thank you, Brown, work with, say that work again, with psychiatrists <laughs> to get a patient hospitalized because they were a danger yeah. to themselves and to their family because they were having a psychotic episode that was yes. um, bordering on, on violence. And luckily, yeah. I had a, re- a report with this individual mm-hmm. um, and was able to convince them to go ahead and, and be hospitalized. And they were, we were able to get them stabilized. It is really important to take your medication if it has been just prescribed for you, um, especially for mental health. Um, With depression, you know, people who are going through severe clinical depression, you may need an antidepressant. In some cases, you may permanently need an antidepressant. And in many people, for many people, when they go through a depressive episode, it may be just that somebody is having life circumstances that temporarily put them in a space. Um, I have had suicide touch my life personally. I have had it. There's too much of it in our society. I have seen, especially with the pandemic, uh, mental health issues, you know, debilitating anxiety and depression. Um, it may be that the antidepressant is what helps you get over the hump yes. so you can get other tools and resources in order to help you get past that. But it is crucial. I tell people counseling is a miracle. Please use, I mean, Thank we are you. so fortunate again, to have please. you. Dr. <laughs> we are so fortunate to have you just because it's, you know, it is, there are a lot of issues in our community surrounding mental health. Um, yes. And stigma, it's so much and stigma. stigma. So thank you and, for helping to yeah. decrease some of that and talking yes. no, about that. Yeah, it is It is crucial. Um, it is this body, mind, spirit. And it really does take, mm-hmm. it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to keep the adults healthy and everybody yes. in between. Um, and I hope I've answered your question. I kind of got you off did. on a tangent. <laughs> no, you you perfectly segued because I asked about physical health, but you went into mental health, which was my next question. Yes. But just indicating again, as you said, cancer, um, HIV, um, you work with that. What about issues like um, kidney trouble, gallbladder? Yes. Um, is CBD something that is that you utilize with 
with some of your patients? I do use CBD. Um, I, two years ago, went through a, um, an additional certification just so I could actually speak coherently and thoroughly about the, the biochemical changes in the body with CBD, yes. um, as well as cannabis. Um, just recognizing that CBD and cannabis, like everything, can be a help or hindrance. There, it is not a panacea that go. is good for everybody. You can or good for everything, or good, or for, good everything. for everything, because there is a lot of research that specifically yes. talks about what cannabis yes. is is useful for. Like when we think of yes. nausea, yes. you know, and in certain areas, so. I see a lot of this in terms of the work I do. And I'm like, you were in the same boat of skills versus pills. And so many people tell me, Dr. Ross, I don't want to take medication, but yet it's overuse of alcohol. Yes. Overuse of, of cannabis and or other yes. substances. So one thing I, I usually talk about is that when you are taking medicine, if you are taking 0.25 milligrams of something, whatever it may be, Lexapro, um, you know, Xanax, whatever it may be, it's that percent. And the challenge with cannabis is that when people are self-medicating, it may be going past the dosages that are actually therapeutic for us. Yes. It's just like we hear about studies about wine, red wine. Yes, maybe good for the heart. But when you have a six bottles of wine a night, that's different than a glass or two. So we also have to think about all of the unresolved trauma that we have in our community, yes. the historical intergenerational trauma, the race-based stress and trauma. And that's, you know, from one generation to the next. And then we have community violence issues so all of that leads to sometimes the self-medication because of the depression, the anxiety, the PTSD. So please talk a little bit yes. more about that. As you said, it can be helpful or yes. it could be a hindrance. Yes. I think I tend to go tell people, go with the CBD first because of the lack of psychoactives in it. There are some things like, in particular, nausea that the cannabis, the THC actually just works better with seizures, childhood seizures, the cannabis by far works significantly better. Um, with CBD for pain, as well as for depression and anxiety, um, it's really important to know the mechanism. So the way cannabinoids work, and that's an active and basically the active component of both CBD and, and THC, it works with your body's own endocannabinoid system, which means that you need to use the smallest dose possible for yourself before you scale up. So taking a lot is not helping you because your body's receptors are literally going to shut down and you are not getting any benefit and it can work against you. It's why opioids, you know, and opioids are a class of basically have cannabinoids in them, it's just a lot more addictive and a lot more toxic mm -hmm. to your system. But with CBD, always tell people quality one is very important. You want to ask what type of process they used for extraction. If there were any chemicals used, um, you do not want that. You either want, um, there's a couple different processes for extraction, um, but if they use a chemical extraction, that is really bad because you are ingesting something or vaping it. Um, you do not need any more toxins in your system. But the minimum level, so for many people, that minimum dosage is going to be somewhere around eight to 10 milligrams. It could be as low as three. It depends on how sensitive you are. If you are somebody who tends to be hypersensitive to things, know that little, as little as possible is going to have a therapeutic dose. You can actually have what they call a paradoxical reaction mm -hmm. to cannabis or to CBD. I've had patients who've come in and said, you know, I had a panic attack after taking CBD yes. or after, you know, taking cannabis in either smoking or whatnot and had a full-blown panic attack you are somebody who does not need to even venture there then. Um, it is like with the, I have a patient who's allergic to green beans. So I tell people, you can be allergic to anything. You can have bad reactions to anything. It just means your body does not yeah. like that substance. Um, so taking more is not necessarily better. We usually have people start as low as possible increasing slowly over the course of several days to several weeks. Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, the 
for most people, um, taking a maximum of about 25 milligrams of um, CBD a day is more than sufficient. Again, the goal is to take as little as possible that where you get a therapeutic benefit. Taking more is not helping you. Um, with cannabis or THC, um, and I know we have, we of course in Missouri have the, uh, have the medical, um, yes. people have medical cards. Um, again, there's, there's a whole science to this. So I really strongly recommend working with a healthcare professional. Yes. It doesn't have to be me, but working with a healthcare professional who actually can help you figure out what is a therapeutic dose for you. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you're just on your own and you're either not getting the benefit that you could get, or you potentially are developing an addiction when the case of cannabis one of the other, and I can't stress this enough with brain development, there is so much documentation that if you are, and this is more so with cannabis, if you are under 25, your brain has not finished developing. So Mm -hmm. if you are taking cannabis and particularly those who are doing it recreationally, you are potentially damaging your brain in terms of how you store your long-term memories, because your brain isn't capable of actually, it's not done developing essentially. Um, so that's really important, especially with how, how much mm-hmm. I see adolescents yeah. using mm-hmm. cannabis. Right. Cause know, it's a part of, exper- yeah. it's a right. part of experimentation and a part of that, but, and you know, a lot of people are listening. I want everyone to realize as you said, each person is different because they're going to be some people, oh, well, I did a lot of that when I was young and I'm just fine. And that may be the case for some, but as you said, people are different. So as you said, that psychoactive component, there are some people that they might have a psychotic break. Um, if they do too much, other people, as you said, it increases their anxiety. So rather than helping the anxiety, it increases. So as you said, having to know yourself, and I usually encourage patients as, as well to work with a healthcare provider, so you do know what is um, therapeutic. Because you know, if it's like at high levels, we, you don't want toxicity. As you said, you don't want it to work. Um, against you. And we know there's a high level of, of self-medicating that, right. that happens. So thank you for bringing um, that point out. So if I wanted to just talk about another part of um, when we talk about emotional and psychological responses. So a lot of people are asking, is it because of the nerves? Um, there's been more research lately talking about the endorphins that are released as part of acupuncture. Um, as well as serotonin and dopamine kind of um, mediation and that Mm -hmm. it just helps you to get to those deeper levels of Mm -hmm. relaxation. So understanding that, you know, when we talked about trauma, adverse child events, Mm -hmm. dealing with race-based trauma, intergenerational trauma, those affect us at subconscious levels. And so being able to work passively Basically, the needles are doing the work. If you've got trauma, I tell people, I don't miss, I'm one, not a counselor. (laughs) I have many wonderful (laughs) practitioners that I refer to, like Dr. Ross. Um, But there's that component of the treatment that is able to help people passively to work through some of Mm -hmm. that trauma where you don't need to tell me what the trauma is. Mm -hmm. I mean, many people do, but you don't need to tell me what the trauma is. We can work on it without it. And there is something to be said for that passive. um, Yes. That passive resolution or working Mm -hmm. towards resolution with particularly with trauma. Um, It's go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm just shaking my head like, <laughs> yes, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm with you because that's when I refer to you um, because resistance is a natural part of psychotherapy. 
you know, when there is something that is good for us that will help us, resistance comes up. Oh, do I have to take medicine? Is it going to taste nasty? I don't want to drink it. Is it going to hurt if, you know, if I have to get a shot? Psychotherapy, am I going to have to think about things that are uncomfortable? So as you said, the defenses go up. So while we're trained to help with that, that is a process. Whereas like integrative method uh, medicine, like you talk about, the acupuncture helps. So it's breaking down some of those walls. So now working together, you know, the person can engage a little bit more with what's needed in, in psychotherapy. So working together, that, that it's that good is stuff working together. <laughs> So for listeners who may be thinking of seeking an acupuncturist, what would you advise? So I am a, I am an executive committee member of our national black, black acupuncturist organization, um, which black acupuncturist.org um, for a list of black acupuncturists who are licensed and nationally board certified in your area. Um, I also actually serve on the board, our national certification board, um, which is NCCAOM. That is the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. So we are the ones who do those national board exams um, that are required for licensure in every state. So you can go to that website as well in order to find who is, um, who is actually practicing in your area, um, it is for me one of again not that you can't get good care and be helped by someone from another gender race ethnicity um but there's so much evidence um also showing that um that the instance of bias particularly for African-Americans, Black and African-Americans, is very present and very present within the medical field. Um, unfortunately, holistic medicine, integrative medicine is not uh, immune to that, though I would like to think that maybe it's a little less prevalent in, in our profession. But certainly, um, again, we live in a racist society with lots of people with implicit and explicit bias. So, um, you know, encouraging people look for black acupuncturists. Um, we are not, we are still kind of unicorns. We've got <laughs> probably about a, a little bit over a hundred of us around the country. Um, but wow, I was this is unicorns. <laughs> We're kind of <laughs> unicorns. We're tired of being unicorns. We would like to be like, you know, yeah, like lots of us. Um, and to that end, we also encourage people too, because your exposure um, to different practitioners, most of us, this is our second career. I was, um, I was, even though I was pre-med and undergraduate, I was, um, my, my undergraduate degree is in elementary education and African studies. Um, so I did teach middle school math and science for a number of years. Um, and many, you'll find most practitioners, this is their second careers. So many people are starting in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even okay. 60s going to school. So that said, representation matters. We also mm -hmm. encourage people, take your kids. We see children too. Let them see the plethora mm -hmm. of different um, fields that we can be in with integrative medicine, whether it's naturopathy, you know, physical therapy you name it, massage therapy, just seeing the whole spectrum of different mm -hmm. ways that we can practice reflexology. Um, if you are choosing an acupuncturist outside of just going there, what you want to look for is certainly ask people how long they've been in practice. There are some amazing people who are getting out of school. So it's not like people don't know what they're doing when they come out. Mm -hmm. um, but particularly if you've got a more complex ailment or illness, yeah. then you might want to see somebody who's got more years under their belt in practice. Um, if you've got something really rare, don't be afraid to say, hey, have you seen this? Have you treated this really rare disease before? Um, because there may be some nuances um, and even asking them, are you willing to work with another physician? Are you willing to explore mm -hmm. and maybe work with another practitioner who's, who's got that? Um, 
those things are really important, but ultimately it comes down to fit, just like you would go search for a primary care physician. Um, it can come down to fit. Sometimes it's just not a good personality fit. They're very competent, but maybe the personality fit isn't great. Um, so that's also important. Ask around many, you'd be surprised at this point, a lot of people have at least tried or sort of known somebody who's tried acupuncture. So, so looking around and asking um, who, who you might go to in your area as well. Um, definitely asking questions. Um, no practitioner should ever be offended by you asking a question about their training, about any of that. Um, this is, we are supposed to be the experts. And this is definitely one of those fields where um, many people do not have as much experience with us. Mm-hmm. So great tidbits there. I want to repeat blackacupuncturist.org, um, N-C-A-A-O-N. N-C-C-A-O-M. It's a mouthful. N-C-C-A-O-M dot O-R-G. Dot O-R-G. And you did send us some some information that we are going to post, get posted onto the website also. And similarly to our our previous um, guest, Dr. Jackman, she also talked about that if you're asking questions and a practitioner or provider doesn't want to answer questions or they're not comfortable, that's definitely that's definitely a sign that maybe it's not a good fit. So you also talked about just culturally competent care. So again, that doesn't mean that you can't get great treatment from someone that is cross-cultural or different gender. However, as you said, there are nuances there that within the community, there might be lived experiences that help, as you said, less uh, implicit bias. So you do a lot of work, particularly for people of color, also, um, in the African diaspora. So tell us a little bit about some of the work that you are doing the projects in terms of building health equity and holistic healing. Certainly. So my, so on the profession side, I actually am co-chair of a cultural competency task force that we are working with um, cultural, building cultural competency within um, the acupuncture profession. So trying to make sure that whoever you see (laughs) is at least better um, in that regard. But with my nonprofit, Universal Holistic Healthcare, um, we have run everything from an HIV clinic. And then, as you mentioned at the beginning, most recently um, in 2019, ran an 18-week health empowerment program for African-American women, um, 45 and over, Um, who Dr. Ross was kind enough to share her expertise with our women, Um, but women at risk um, for joint replacement, um, targeting joint replacement of people who were dealing with comorbidities, but especially hypertension and diabetes. Um, So I have handed that program off actually to one of the women who who we worked with, um, Darlene Donegan, who was doing it via Zoom because then the pandemic happened. Um, But she has taken over over that um, so that I could focus on building the clinic in Ghana. So the clinic in Ghana um, is going to be an integrative medicine clinic, uh, multi-specialty with a focus on local resources and indigenous herbs. Um, one of the things that sometimes can happen in, in many communities is not really looking at the resources in a place. Um, Ghana, as in many places, has its own um, plethora of herbal medicine, much of which there are several that are actually used to make pharmaceuticals. Um, So really using the local herbs, um, I'm working with the Herbal Research Institute there um, who has been collecting um, information from traditional herbalists for the last almost 30 years now. So working with them to create um, an herbal pharmacy locally, um, but also we'll have, we will have um, practitioners of Chinese medicine, homeopathy, at least, hopefully one or more nurse midwives, um, just a pretty wide variety of practitioners, um, allopathic um, family medicine intern. Um, 
So that's the clinic itself. Um, related to the clinic will be a public health care worker training facility um, that will actually have an integrative medicine base. Um, the idea for this actually for me came when I was working in China and there's, um, there was a movement um, called the Barefoot Doctor Movement. And it was really a way to, to simplify or distill down kind of those things that were very easily treated that you didn't need a lot of skill in order to do. So the public healthcare worker training program will use some of these components to then go out into the rural communities in order to help basically educate people so they can minimize the amount of care that they need at a higher skill level. Um, To give an example, malaria still kills large numbers of people. The big thing with malaria is dehydration and the same with parasitic um, infections that cause through water. Um, There's a very simple technique in Chinese medicine that takes literally three minutes to learn that counteracts um, diarrhea. It's very wow. simple. It's, it's, it's so simple. It's one of those things that you could teach it to almost anybody, but how many lives could actually be saved just by, by these very simple techniques. So the idea is really to kind of hone in, gather mm-hmm. lots of these different techniques, look at and assess what are the main issues that communities are dealing with. Um, and then going out and, Building one, it builds jobs locally, it builds skill sets, and it actually yes. helps have a direct impact on um, mortality locally, which is, which is always a good thing, and at an extremely low cost. So the idea is to build a model that can be easily duplicated and adapted for any community or culture in the world, but then culturally adapted. Yes to fit that community. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be, even though I practice Chinese medicine and some of the techniques are going to be based in Chinese medicine, it's really looking at lots of different things and distilling it down in order to, to basically serve as many people as possible. So that is the clinic process. I will be a Hoping to open the clinic and training facility in the, within the next five years. Um, uh, the foundation is laid, the land has been bought. Um, and so it's more of just building, building it up from there. But it's based on something that I wanted to do since I was six years old and I'm finally uh. <laughs> making it happen. So, um, and have a team of people, um, gathering a team of people to help make that happen. That is amazing. That is an amazing vision that you are manifesting and bringing to fruition and from six years old. So as you talked about being unicorns, this will also help not only in terms of helping, in terms of prevention and saving lives, but you're also showing what can be done. So that modeling, as you said, there may not be acupuncturists you know, within communities that, that young people can see. So they don't think of that maybe as, as an option. So that is wonderful in terms of, of, of filling that, that gap. Excellent. So you're doing a great, a great deal, a great deal of work. So thank you so much for sharing (laughs) all of that. We do have um, a, a question that was sent in, in terms of why are doctors not taught anything about the endo uh, cannabinoid system that everybody has? Some of it is that it's newer research that's coming out. Um, Ironically, nurses are now learning it in school and it's not in most medical schools yet. So that is something I do have colleagues um, who work in um, American medical schools, um, the allopathic system, um, so hopefully that will be coming over time, but yes, it is, you know, I think there are lots of political reasons why, um, and unfortunately some of that is very much based in racism around the turn of the mm-hmm. century and why cannabis was outlawed. Um, so there's a lot of, there's quite honestly, a lot of miseducation, um, about, about cannabis and, Mm -hmm. and hopefully over time, 
some of that will, some of that will get dispelled. Um, but yes, it is something I try to educate peers in the allopathic community as much as possible. Um, and some, some are more open to it than, than others, but, um, the whole endocannabinoid system deals so much more with than just cannabis. I mean, you can stimulate your endocannabinoid system just by exercising, by laughing. I mean, very mm-hmm. simple things by eating green vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many ways. Altruism. Altruism. Um, Helping others. Yep. Hugs. There, there was a, one study that was measuring and they talked about touch, human touch and, and mm-hmm. hugging. Um, so yes, if your practitioner doesn't know about it, say, Hey, <laughs> Hey, don't I'm be afraid to share information. Right. Right. Yes. And, and you, everyone is the expert in that themselves. We've talked yes. about the cultural humility model that yes, you go to a doctor and they are the expert in that area, but you are the expert of you, your body, your mind, your experience, and being able to communicate that to others. I think your work is also great in terms of sometimes an individual may go to conventional medicine and have many tests run and they haven't found anything. So we do have another question. Um, about nervousness, meaning like it may seem like something's going on with the nervous system, but going to the medical doctor and everything has been checked, but nothing physically is there. That's actually, that's definitely our wheelhouse. (laughs) That's definitely my wheelhouse. I I see a lot of that. that. And with that, you know, it's, so it's one of those things that often in Chinese medicine, it will show up in the tongue and pulses. So that nervousness, we say, often and without getting into a whole diagnosis with, with individuals, um, often there's been some, we talk, especially long-term stress that has starts to trigger the system into hyper reacting. And so that can manifest as nervousness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is probably the most common reason why okay. people have kind of this, it's almost like an internal jitteriness, mm-hmm. um, but it's, I would say in practice, that's the thing that I see the most. And often okay. it doesn't manifest in your labs are great. There's nothing okay. wrong. There's no tumors. There's nothing. Um, but in Chinese medicine, definitely with tongue and pulses, typically something comes up that we'll often see. Um, we also tend to ask very different questions because mm-hmm. we're looking at the system differently. So sometimes things that seem really complex with conventional medicine, it's like, oh, well, this is just this. Let me do this real quick and you can do this and bam, it's resolved. Um, makes me look brilliant, but it's not so much that I'm so brilliant. It's that but it's you are in our system, you know, I do all right, but in our system, <laughs> it's in our system, it's actually really simple. Um, okay. And again, it's, it is one of the things that I, I really appreciate about this is that, um, yeah, and also in terms of the humility, I also tell people, if I can't figure it out, doesn't mean that there's no solution. It just means mm-hmm. that I can't figure it out, but some, somebody somewhere can figure this out. Um, it is not all in your head. Um, mm-hmm. As you mentioned, Dr. Ross, you tell people, you are the experts. You live in your body 24 mm-hmm. seven you can tell me some stuff. Um, my, my favorite teacher in school said, you know, the, the, the conversation with patients, they are the experts. They will always tell you exactly what is wrong. You just need to interpret what that is, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly use your skill, your diagnostic skills, but patients will tell you what's wrong with them. You just got to figure out, you know, what they're saying and piece that, that together, even if they don't know that they know, Mm -hmm. um, they often do. And it's sometimes it's the one-off conversation. I'm always amazed that people say, oh yeah, by the way, there's this thing and it's the Mm -hmm. key to what is exactly what is going on. 
And the integrative model is helpful with that. I see that a great deal in conventional medicine. And conventional medicine is great. As you said, we need pharmaceuticals at times. It, it, it's great. But there are times that people can feel as though they're not heard. Because as you said, all of the tests are run in a conventional way, but nothing comes up in blood work. Nothing comes up in a scan. So it could lead people to feel that something is going on or something is, is wrong with them. So it's important to recognize that, yes, the body will let you know. The body remembers. As you said, doing work on that passive level is helpful. A great deal of what I see in terms of PTSD, depression, anxiety, especially a lot of early childhood trauma. Yes. There's some trauma that happens before people are verbal. So when it happens at that stage, it is so within a person's psyche, sometimes they can't even describe what's going on. So in addition to like acupuncture, you know, emotional freedom technique, tapping, those are also areas that are helpful. Reiki, aromatherapy, so many other areas, chakra meditation, those become holistic ways that along with like seeing a regular primary care physician, psychotherapist, acupuncturist, doing a lot of integrative type of work to have the best, the best outcome takes a village. <laughs> it does. So we have talked about a lot of things today. We have about five minutes left. As we prepare to wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I really encourage people to at least try it. Um, I think there was a comment uh, you were talking about um, trying to get your brother to try acupuncture. And the most common thing that people question people ask is, you know, does it hurt? You know, because we're all have, most of us have gotten shots at some point and some, most of the time those hurt. Um, the needles that we use are very thin. They're disposable. So we don't reuse needles. Um, it's very relaxing. Most people, by the time I'm done needling, they're like, are you going to start? And I'm like, I'm done. You have like 10 needles in you. Um, so it doesn't hurt. It's very relaxing. Many people fall asleep during treatment. Um, I, I have been known to fall asleep. Yes, <laughs> I have. Uh, it's interesting. I was working with a patient who was trying to, um, resolve the a crack addiction. This is many years ago. Mm -hmm. And after his first treatment, he, um, when I took the needles out and he said, oh my gosh, I feel so amazing. If I had had acupuncture, I never would have tried crack. Um, and it's, it's that level of well-being that really can happen. And I, I think sometimes we all, many people feel, are so used to feeling bad mm -hmm. that they yes. don't really know what it feels like to feel good. To feel good. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it is one potential tool that you can use. Um, and, and I love it when people are proactive and, you know, they're coming to make sure they're, they're good. They want to make sure they stay yeah. good. Um, but, you know, the reality is most of the, most of the time I'm seeing people uh, because we need to resolve an issue. Um, but the spectrum works. Um, certainly feel free to ask questions. Um, in a minute, I will be happy to share my contact information. Uh, but generally speaking, when people ask me, you know, is acupuncture good for this? Um, pretty much like, yeah, it yes. is <laughs> pretty much no matter that. what, no matter what you ask, it's yeah. going to be it. Now, if you say you're having a heart attack, I'm still going to call 911 and yes. CPR and everything. But short of that, yes, acupuncture is good for it. So just try it. In addition to what Ms. Bromley said, I would say try it. It is a wonderful experience. Don't count it out until you have. I know we only have two minutes, but someone did send in a question about COPD and feet yes. swelling, if acupuncture yes. um, is something that is, is helpful for that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Short answer. Yes, it is. <laughs> Well, we've had a wonderful, enlightening, informative, educational dialogue uh, with acupuncturist and practitioner, Ms. Aqua Bromley. We certainly thank you for joining us on New Horizon, the Mind and Body Connection. If people want to reach out to you, how can they contact you? The easiest way is um, my name, Aqua, at universalholistichealth.org. 
um, one of the documents that we're going to be posting um, does have my email address at the bottom, but it's fyuniversalholistichealth.org. Um, you can also go to my website, acupuncturestlewis.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you to Ms. Alpha Bromley for joining us today, appearing on New Horizons, the Mind and Body Nation. We have learned a great deal. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are thankful for our Intentional Talk Radio Network family. Join us on second and fourth Sundays for uh, New Horizon Mind and Body Connection. Thank you so much for all of our listeners today and those who weren't able to join us live. It will be available on all pat- podcast platforms next week. Thank you so much for joining thank us. You. Take care. Be healthy. Remember, mind and body connection is important for longevity. Thank you.